Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Just like that, the final hours here, Monday edition. Hot Mike with Henry Withrow across the Outkick Network. Reacting to the college football and NFL weekend, you can join Chad in the chat on YouTube. Search out Outkick and join us there with the millions upon millions, Chad. One of them, Bobby Carpenter, joins us now on our YouTube uh, stream, plus across the network and on this great radio partner. Bobby, good to see you, man. Uh, congrats to your Buckeyes. Yeah, I appreciate that, man. I put a lot of work in to get she that did. win. So, you know, grinding throughout the week, all the hard practices, the lifting sessions. I feel like I should take a lot of credit for it. Well, you look like you've been working out. So that, that that's one thing you got down. So it's good good preparation for you this week. It really showed on the defensive side of the ball. But all kidding aside, Bobby, um, great performance defensively for that Ohio State team. You know, it's something that I think people have been waiting for for a while. And then once they got it, everyone wanted this great defense. And it's probably been since 2019, maybe back to 20, I don't know, 14, 15, where they've had, you know, defensive performances like that. And the last four years, I mean, a lot of this team has been carried by the offense. And so you're used to seeing, you know, the team go out there and go score first, second, third, fourth drive. And so it's been kind of weird this year because fans have been complaining. There's been an uneasy feeling because the scores haven't necessarily been there. But when you have a defensive team, you don't have to be near as aggressive, and you can kind of lean on that a little bit. We saw Ryan Day do that. They had firm control of the game. It was 20-6 to six. in the middle of the fourth quarter. Like Your defense has been playing lights out. They were holding them under 75 yards rushing. Drew Aller looks you know, flustered, and they were 0 for 15 on third down conversions till the final drive. Like That allows you, as an offensive play caller, you don't have to do anything foolish. You don't have to do anything stupid. And I finally think people at Ohio State are starting to come around to, hey, this is how we used to win a long time ago with defense and, you know, efficient offense. Maybe we can lean back on that again. Bobby, I'm just devil's advocate here. And, yes, you're right. Maybe you can lead back on the defense. Has Ohio State faced an offense that was less, that, 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 that was not explosive like Penn State wasn't? There was no threat there from that offense, and I was hoping for more. Yeah, that's the one thing people have talked about. I mean, they've covered every number. They've had some big spreads, but they really hadn't had those explosive plays. And you know, part of that's due, I think, the Penn State receiving core maybe isn't quite as good. But you know, I think people thought Catron Allen and uh, Nicholas Singletary, like or Singleton, they're really good players. I thought they'd rip off some runs and be able to push, you know, have some explosive, uh, explosive gains in the running game. And they never really were able to do that. You know, Maryland is was pretty explosive. They've got good receivers. They were able to do yeah. some things. You know, Notre Dame obviously has some talent there. And I thought Penn State would be much more on the Notre Dame level than maybe what we saw. And, and possibly some of that, gentlemen, was the fact that you know, you've know you got a first-year starting quarterback. It's really their first hostile road environment, and they haven't played the most difficult schedule. So it seemed a little bit like maybe Drew Aller was overwhelmed somewhat. And especially, I think they told him, don't make the negative play. So he never pushed it in anywhere. He threw it away pretty quickly. He didn't want to take a lot of sacks. 
And in doing that, you're never going to really have a chance to make that big play either. So you mentioned the, with, with this with us uh, last week, the, the idea that if you have three one-loss teams at the top, that Penn State gets the nod based on tiebreaker. Um, what, I mean, imagine this Penn State team pulling the upset that no one's going to expect now over Michigan on November 11th. And that actually happens, given the results that we saw this past Saturday. Well, the one thing to remember, guys, venue matters in college football, a lot more than in the NFL. And like I said, they were on the road. That was their first really road, true road environment. I mean, Northwestern, Illinois, like those aren't necessarily hostile road environments. But then they had to go to Ohio State, 105,000 people. It's not night, but it's noon. And everybody in Columbus, you know, I think, was pretty fired up. And the, the weather was perfect. There was a lot of juice around the game. And so everybody's ready to go. Now, conversely, you look at that, Penn State, which I'm guessing with Michigan will probably be a big noon kick as well. Uh, so they'll have the opportunity to return the favor. So it'll be a hostile environment. It'll be loud. It'll be much tougher for Michigan to operate. And also, like, the communication's easier on the offensive side of the ball, which everybody always talks about. But really, you know, the weight of the emotions. If you make a negative play at home, it's not yeah. the end of the world. You make one on the road, and you got people yelling and screaming, and it feels like you made 20 mistakes, not just one. So after Tony Elliott in Virginia knocked off UNC on Saturday night, that gives Tony Elliott one more top 10 win than James Franklin in only his second year at Virginia. At, at what point is good not good enough for Penn State with James Franklin? Does he have to beat a Michigan or Ohio State and get into that round robin at some point? Or do you think the powers that be at Penn State – are perfectly fine with him pretty consistently beating everyone else in the conference and losing to Michigan and Ohio State. So I saw this little little meme or gif or whatever rolling around that you know people have been sending uh, sending stuff out you know for it after this game. And I have a bunch of friends you know that, that played at Penn State or Penn State fans, and it said you know national championship implication you know expectations play Ohio State and Michigan and get beat up. At the bottom, sadness, uh, uh, misery, expectations dwindle. Win a New Year's six-day bowl game. Back to national championship expectations. And you feel like that's kind of been what they've done. If you go 11-2 and and you know, let's say you beat you know, a team from the ACC or Big 12, SEC, like, hey, things start looking good again. Hey, we can do it. we got guys coming back. We've got this new young quarterback. And I also think that part of it is there's going to be a 12-team playoff. They don't have a locked-in rival, so they don't have to play Ohio State or Penn State now every year. So they're going to most likely get in the playoff because the Big Ten is going to probably get three or four teams in, just like the SEC. So they've got a pretty good shot, maybe five in any given year. I don't know. So they have a shot to do that. Their schedule is a little easier. And then let's not forget, I mean, the end of the Joe Paterno era wasn't great. Then they go in the Bill O'Brien era. Like, there was a mess there for about three or four years. And James Franklin kind of came in and resurrected everything. You look at some of the best players in the uh, NFL and some of the guys, you know, with Allen, with Micah Parsons, Saquon Barkley, they've got dudes that they've put in the league. He's recruited really well. And so it's a dichotomy of like, hey, you know, be careful what you wish for. Everybody always wants to fire the coach because they think the next coach is going to be better. But there is a chance, gentlemen, the next coach could be worse. And then you might be sure. back in a situation where you're eight and four. And yeah, maybe you upset Ohio State or Michigan every once in a while. But you're upsetting them for what? To go nine and three, maybe a 10 and two, and you're still not playing for anything anyway. Bobby, how big is the story behind the scenes at Michigan with the sign stealing to you 
with Connor Stallions allegedly buying tickets up and then going and spying on behalf of the team that they know the signs on the sideline. And I'm, I'm curious, if they, there was a, a, a shot going around that was very early in the game, Ohio State-Penn State, and it just shows the crowd as they're going to commercial break. It's 3 nothing, And there's this one guy in the corner, and he's wearing a Michigan jacket, and you can see the logo. And people wonder, like, oh, Connor Stallions has and just announced his attendance at, at uh, Ohio State, Penn State. How crazy <laughs> do you have to be uh, to actually show up to that game in the maize and blue? Yeah, I don't think Connor Stallions was wearing maize and blue. I mean, I think somebody maybe did a troll job. Yeah. May even been like an Ohio State or Penn State fan as a plant just to make it play you know, better. Maybe, maybe so, but they, they didn't know that the national television audience was going to see it, you know? Pick him up. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. What's, what's interesting about this, is you know I don't want to make a big deal out of it until I know exactly what was transpiring. Um, I've you know things are starting to leak out a little bit, and you know my wife made the point. She said, "Why is that a big deal?" I'm like, "Well, it's it's nobody does it. If people were all allowed to do it, I don't think hey, then it's all fair game." But I started to hear some more stuff about some of the things that may have happened around it, and I, I think that there's some things there that I joked with my friend who you know works in the media. He's pretty locked in on a lot of things. And I laughed at him. He's like, they wouldn't even do that in the SEC with some of the stuff that was alleged. I'm like, you know, I mean, and I, I know people are pushing the boundaries. Like at some point, I mean, everybody beats up on the NCAA, but there are rules. People voted on this. And if you have someone out there videotaping your signals and they're close to the bench and they can overhear things that are being said, maybe not an Ohio State-Penn State game, but if you're watching Penn State at Illinois – you can probably pick up a lot more on oh, the yeah. sidelines if you're close to the bench or playing Ohio State and Indiana. You get one of these games that's not a premier game and really loud, then all of a sudden you may have a tell of, hey, what's a run, what's a pass? And we talked to Rick Neuheisel about it. He goes, if you could have told me the coverage I was playing just about every time, like I'm a heck of a lot better coach calling plays. Yeah, and, and there's more details coming out. Uh, Pete Thamel has a report, Bobby, that 30 different Big Ten games – Connor Stallions himself purchased two tickets to, to each of them. One on one sideline, behind the sideline, one on the other. So I think we can probably draw the conclusion now about exactly what was happening. Is there any excuse to Jim Harbaugh not knowing this was going on? Is anyone going to buy that? Because that was the official Michigan statement. We are fully cooperating, and I know nothing about this. Can he honestly sell that? I don't know. I mean, I, I have a hard time believing a former U.S. Marine is going to go do something without it being directed by his superior. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I believe that the U.S. military has some rank and file, and there's protocols and procedures that happen. He may try to push that. I mean, I don't know what the punishment is because, guys, this is kind of unprecedented. There's really been nothing that's happened. This isn't like a recruiting violation or some off the field or like grade manipulation or things like that. This is kind of out there where no one's seen it before. So I'm, I'm curious how they're going to handle it. And maybe it's due to an outrage thing. And, you know, Jim Harbaugh, like I give him a lot of credit for this. Like he's very flippant with things and like just pretends like nothing matters. And Hey, he loves playing the villain. Yes, he does. Is the best news for the rest of the big 10 in this is that this assures Jim Harbaugh's gone at the end of the year that he'll take a job in the NFL, considering that on the field, they are destroying everyone, including Ohio State, the last yeah. two years. Is that the good news for out of all this for the rest of the conference? I mean, you would think, because it seems like he's kind of wanting to get out of there anyway. Um, it, what's interesting now with this transpiring, and, and what I've heard is that he had tickets purchased to this Ohio State-Penn State game as well, and they were not used. 
obviously, since he was yep. not, not at the game. Um, I, I don't know. Resale like, value is very high. Yeah. I'm got, sure got, you got two tickets. Yeah. One, we've got a solo on each sideline here. Who wants them? You could have flipped them for a pretty penny in that, but it'll be interesting to see how well they play. Cause let's, I mean, they've got Ohio state and Penn state both coming up two of their premier games. I don't know how much of an advantage it is. I couldn't tell you if it's a lot or if it's a little, but I know if they struggle in either of those games, people will then look at that and say, maybe it was a bigger advantage than maybe we thought. Bobby Carpenter with us, Bobby, you know, uh, Pat McAfee. Well, um, what do you make of the fact that he hasn't re-signed with game day and he went to, to X to, to mention the athletic poll and reaction to his appearances on game day and whether or not people actually enjoy what he does there. You know, I think Pat, you know, values, you know, what college football is like, he loves the sport and he doesn't want to be out there doing something, trying to force feed. He acknowledges like he has a niche audience that people, some really like what he does. Now, maybe it's for more people than he thought. Maybe it's not. I mean, there's a lot of people that consume his content I've heard a lot of people say that, hey, they love the energy that he brings to game day. They love what he's done. He's, you know, added some more elements as opposed to, you know, three or four or five guys just sitting at a desk talking for three hours. Now you're down, you're moving around. There's some interesting stuff. The kicking stuff is fun. I mean, I watch it every Saturday while I'm doing my show. And, you know, so I have the volume down with subtitles, but there's just more juice. And then I've heard people that are like super traditionalists be like, he's ruined game day. He turned it into WWE. And I'm like, Dude, we're talking about entertainment. It's a, it's a sport. I mean, I'm I'm more of the f- faction of hey, if you're gonna make something more energetic, like I'm all for it. I can make it different, and so he's kind of done that. And I I think there are people that probably don't like it. Now, what percentage of that? I'm not sure, gentlemen. Like that's that's something that ESPN, if they've offered him a deal, they feel confident that he's helping it, and the ratings I think are better than they've been. But I'm not sure exactly, you know, how how that'll transpire. And I know that he would not want to try to like force something on people if they just don't want it simply to, you know, for his ego. Cause I think he is conscious of that. Well, it's a show that their calling card before uh, McAfee was uh, old guy puts helmet headgear on at the end of it. I mean, you know, it's not exactly 60 minutes that we're talking about here for those that say that he's too over the top and he's not going anywhere. He opened the whole statement by joking that I don't know a single human being that reads The Athletic. So I don't know these humans that don't know me or have a problem with me. But the good news is for all these people that hate me is that I'm year to year with college game day. He'll be back. The ratings are crushing. Uh, he's doing a great it's, job. The ratings are down from last year, though. He's not He's not going anywhere. They've had two of their highest rated shows this year. But it's down, it is down 4% yeah. from, from year to year. He's not going anywhere. But it's also like they, I mean, they're going to cover Deion Sanders every week. You know, yeah. like it's... It, it, for those that well, they the were traditional last year when he came on, maybe they're down from that, but still up from before he got there overall. Bobby, I want to ask you about Alabama. Are they going to be a factor in the college football playoff from what you're seeing from them right now? Well, I mean, I think they're going to win the West. I mean, maybe something happens down the stretch where they ultimately don't, but it looks like to me they will. Um, this has probably been one of Nick's better coaching jobs he's done. He doesn't have this overwhelmingly talented team. Guys, I mean, they still make a decent amount of mistakes. Like Tennessee was controlling that game, and then all of a sudden, you, know, you get the lead, you get a strip sack, and then poof, it's off to the races. You know, he's managing Milrow pretty well. Like he looks to be getting better every week. And with the Brock Bowers injury, like we'll see if and when at what point he comes back. So there's a lot of stuff going on right there. They're trying to figure that out. 
And I have a decent sense that like, if they're playing in the SEC championship, I don't think Kirby Smart would prefer to play them. They'd probably rather play LSU or Ole Miss, pick another team because Saban always has his guys prepared. And we wrote them off against Texas. We wrote them off. Hey, after they're done. Mm-hmm. They, and look at all they've done is slowly scratch their way back to an undefeated SEC uh, conference record. And they've won every game since then. Bobby Carpenter also remains unbeaten. Uh, Sirius XM Channel 84 is where you can find him uh, throughout the week and, uh, weekend. And uh, Bobby does a great job here with us as well. Uh, flat out get it done, man. Great to have you back on. Hey, always, gentlemen. Love it. This this is when we're getting good now. The last five, six weeks here going to be fantastic. And it's going to be gone before open. you know it. Wide we are in the thick open. of it, Bobby. This is the right time of year. You're right about That's that. That's right, man. Good to see you, man. Have Thanks, a great Bobby. week. Thank you, Bobby Carpenter there uh, at bcarp3 is where you can follow him on social. Uh, Coming up, we get into quarterbacks. Big questions surrounding those. Plus, Anquan Bolden chimes in on why the Cardinals shouldn't trade theirs. And, of course, Bolden's not talking about Joshua Dobbs, but Kyler Murray, who's back on the practice field. Davey put sunglasses on next. Yeah, that's right. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Sixth and Peabody, our location, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Chad, um, Anquan Bolton said it would be foolish for the Cardinals to move on from, from Kyler Murray. Of course, the trade deadline's a week from tomorrow. And uh, Armando Salguero's already pointed out on this show and at outkick.com that it's going to be difficult to move him at this point right now uh, at the deadline. But I don't think there's any secret that if the Cardinals end up at the you know, basement level of the NFL, and they're they're more competitive than what I expected. Uh, Jonathan Gannon hasn't been the Nathaniel Hackett of 2023, but they also haven't been winning, and they can still end up with the top picks, and they're going to have you know a plenty of reason to uh, to go after the new quarterback because they're going to have two of the uh, top ten picks based on the trade that they made, um, and what could be, with Houston, I'm saying, and what could be down the road quarterback-wise for them. But the trade this year versus getting rid of Kyler Murray moving forward, two different answers for me on this. But Bolden is saying, we heard about the issues in the past. Some people saying he's immature, he doesn't study enough. But there's not a lot of dynamic quarterbacks like him in the league. So when you have the opportunity to have a guy like that on your team, I don't think you're quick to move on from him. I think there's a lot of teams that would like to have a guy like Kyler than not. That's why you would trade him. Because <laughs> yeah. there is value there, but not at the value that we've seen over the saga of the last year and a half. Two years ago, they were 7-0. and There's, If you could get something decent for Kyler Murray, I mean, absolutely do that. The, the future but you have to pick up his contract, though. Yeah, and I don't, I don't know who's going to do that on the other end, I'm saying, but right. for the Cardinals, your you future it. franchise quarterback is not on the team right now. 
I agree. It's not Kyler Murray. It's not Josh Dobbs. It's the guy you're going to draft number one overall. If if things go the way you want with the picks you have, or if it's not number one overall, the guy you draft in the top five picks right. of this upcoming NFL draft, that's your next guy. So if they can get anything in return for Kyler Murray, do it. I'm a, I'm he can su- go play Call of Duty somewhere else. I am. Su- he's going to end up playing this year for Arizona. Call of Duty or football? Both. Oh, okay. He was doing Good. both prior to the ACL. Will he do both well? We know he's really good at Call of Duty. Will I, he be an expert NFL quarterback right. <laughs> the way he is a gamer? Right now. That's my question. The Arizona Cardinals have the second pick in the draft. And they look ahead at Carolina, who remains winless. But Carolina doesn't need a quarterback. They also could trade out of that spot the same way Chicago did with Carolina a year ago. So, um, yeah, that's... It's intriguing to see what happens with the Cardinals moving forward. But they're playing Kyler Murray. And keep this in mind about Murray. There is an injury guarantee with his contract. There is more than just we're playing Murray and we're going to roll the dice here and see what we have in our franchise guy. This is guaranteed $50 million versus guaranteed $90 million plus on the injury guarantee if he's hurt for the remainder of the year. There, This is a, a, a big gamble to where... Not only is he hurt, but you probably lose any trade option that you have, any leverage on your end to trade said franchise quarterback to a new team. You mentioned Carolina. Chicago owns that pick. Oh, it is Chicago. Sorry, I swept them. I swapped so them. Yeah, you're right. It's Swip swap. It's one Swip of those swap, things to where, flip-flop. obviously, if they're in a position to where that pick is going to Chicago number one overall, you would think they're moving on from Justin Fields at that point. I agree. He's maybe gotten them five wins combined in the last two years, which actually one of those would have been Tyson Bajan. Yeah, well, I mean, uh, five wins combined with the last two years of what the Bears have put around him is interesting. Uh, it goes on fields, but the win-loss record there goes on the organization. It's They need a new quarterback, and Justin Fields needs a new team. Yes, he does. It is time. Both to need a new start. That's what they need. more QBs. Anquan Bolden taking up for the Cardinals QB, just like T.O. used to do. It's my quarterback. All right, guys. Speaking of quarterback, let's talk about some of the best in the business, who you trust the most. So for this question, you get one shot. And what I mean by this is you have a quarterback. It's fourth and goal from the 10. This is the quarterback that's going to score you that touchdown to win you that game. See, I look at all these questions, and I try to put whoever the quarterback is, and Mm -hmm. that's my quarterback, onto any team in the NFL. So I don't use their current situation with my questioning at all, unless it's a specific question about surrounding cast or who they're on, what team they're on right now. Well, then yours is a no-brainer. All of that that out there, I think mine's a no-brainer. It's Patrick Mahomes. Because Patrick Mahomes is the one guy that I can plug and play on any team. And I feel good that with his mix of passing ability, arm slots, Different angles he throws from, his elusiveness, his ability to make plays with his feet. He is the guy that, in a pinch, I need a fourth and goal from the 10. I'm going with Patrick Mahomes. I feel strongly Mahomes is my quarterback. I also need a Kelsey on the receiving end with Mahomes from fourth, okay. fourth and goal from that the 10. That does help. It, it factors in. If he's with this Titans wide receiving core, I have no guarantee. He better run it in yeah, if well, he's with that, this that. Or hand it to Derek Henry my, my answer, from the 10. There you go. My answer is is based on current setup. And Mahomes is on my list, yes. Chad, uh, I didn't want to go back-to-back same answer. I'm going with Tua, and it's based on 
the setup of the offense and the multiple options that he has. However, we need to mention honorable mention for Brock Purdy with what they have and the red zone efficiency for that offense, given the fact that you can use their passing game as an extension of the run game with Debo Samuel, Christian McCaffrey, et cetera. Plus you have the next best version of Kelsey and Kittle. But I'm going with Tua if Mahomes is off the board. If I were to make this question from fourth and five to where the running ability might come more into play, would that change Earl's answer Malik at all? Willis, absolutely, hands down. <laughs> no, Lamar Jackson. My answer might change that, Lamar that's Jackson. That's a great answer. If it's five yards out. And, and he is playing really well right now. And that they're starting in Baltimore, they're starting to pick up the pace a bit. Things are coming together offensively. Looked like MVP Lamar yesterday. He did. Guys, going to our next one, who is the backup that is outplaying the starter and deserves to get more opportunities moving forward? This is kind of an odd one for me because he's the guy who's sort of the de facto starter, but he's not really the starter. The starter in Arizona is Kyler Murray when healthy, but Josh Dobbs, they put it right before the season started, trade for him. Yeah. He's a de facto um, starter via trade, no matter where he is. Yeah, no, no doubt. Even if he was still in Cleveland, he's the starter. Um, I think Josh Dobbs, uh, given the circumstances, has has played okay. I, I don't know that if I'm you know lining up guys in the schoolyard and taking a draft of quarterbacks and I'm picking Dobbs over Kyler Murray in any situation. Right. But it's hard to find an answer for me on this, so I'll go Dobbs. Hutton, you've got a pretty good one. Tyler uh, Tyson Bajan is, is who I'm going with. And, and look, it's – it has helped the uh, Bears win a game, but also he gets his first win and his first start. He's the Division II Heisman winner, undrafted, and comes in and goes 21 of 29. Dink and dunk. But, I mean, better than the starter. I, I like the results that I saw from the Bears, who win 30 to 12 over the Las Vegas Raiders, and now 2 and 5. I mean, the, the future is not great. You know, you, you can't see the light at the end of the tunnel. But with Bajan, at least it's a great storyline. And, um, I mean, he's not Mr. Irrelevant, but he wasn't even drafted to be. I like the story, and the results are much better than what we were seeing, even in tight window games for Justin Fields. I like both your answers. Chad, I do have a question for you. Do you believe Cleveland regrets trading Josh Dobbs at this point? Uh, no, only because they're 2-0 and uh, with, with P.J. Walker. Right? 2-0? and Or has he been in three games now? 2-0. Yeah, so 2-0. and Um but part of me thinks they're a little bit hesitant to be in love with that, Davey, because Josh Dobbs would be a great option for them right now. Even if P.J. Walker is there, I feel like Dobbs could maybe – they could do a little bit more offensively with him in at quarterback. So maybe, I guess my answer is maybe. Maybe they I, are I not think, liking that decision. I think they do regret this decision, and it's not because of P.J. Walker as much as it is uh, Dorian Thompson-Robinson, who was the backup. He was – he was put in to start whenever you had uh, you had Watson say he couldn't go and he was cleared prior to the Ravens game. That's because Walker's PJ Walker was on the practice squad. But when given the option of who to start, who to elevate as the backup in case something happened to Watson, it was PJ Walker. That would have been Dobbs, and Dobbs would have been on the roster. They didn't want to carry three quarterbacks on the roster. That's why they traded him, and now they wish. This, I think they wish they did. Yeah, it'll definitely be interesting to see. I mean, I, there's not been any conversation of putting Deshaun Watson on IR, but that's obviously a tricky situation to keep an eye on. Talking about moving forward and looking to the future, 
Uh, guys, for this next one, it could be an NFL or a college football quarterback, but next year is their year. The quarterback that you're expecting to just absolutely take that leap forward come next season. So, uh, Chad, I, I, in, I'm looking at your answer, and it's great because it's not predicated on just these 32 teams we're evaluating here. Yeah. That's my lens, and this is the developmental quote-unquote year that's exceeded expectations already for C.J. Stroud. Young, dynamic group of talent depth-wise in Houston that's playing above the level everyone expected. Young, dynamic head coach. Uh, a, an, an innovative, uh, willing to take some chances, but also create plays type of offensive coordinator who comes from the West Coast and has a background that you like from San Francisco. And C.J. Stroud, who can sling it. Next year, they could be a year ahead of expectation and be that playoff caliber team. Maybe they can do it this year. But they're still working out the kinks. Next year, make a huge jump, I would bet, on C.J. Stroud. He looks really good. Um, and I love C.J. Stroud at Ohio State. He's far exceeded my expectations so far. The t- think about the top so like quarterbacks in the league right now and what they did in year two. Well, that, and That's I, what I'm thinking. I, I've got two different answers. I, I thought we had to go college football quarterback for next year's rookie class on this one. If I'm going your route, I'm going Bryce Young because he's been bad this year, and that's a terrible team. But I think a year from now, he could take off. So there's going to be – because it is year two, usually, right, for the big improvement. I think Bryce Young's going to look That's, drastically different next year. I hope so for him. For Carolina, because it's bad right now. But my answer, uh, going with the college football route, I'm not going to go with one of the top guys, Caleb Williams, Drake May, because I think both will be on terrible teams and be in bad situations. So I'm trying to project a guy who gets drafted later on by a decent team okay. that may have a need at quarterback – that maybe gets there and wins the job outright as a rookie, that looks good because they've got a better supporting cast. The guy I'm thinking about is Quinn Ewers. I know he's got the AC joint issue right now at Texas, but I see him as someone who's ready-made to go to an NFL team if it's a good roster, if it's a solid team, and do good things right away. So give me Quinn Ewers from Texas making a splash in his rookie year next year. Hey, and if we're discussing like quarter, college quarterback and sticking around at said program, and next year's the year, it's Aller. Uh, talked to two NFL guys this weekend that think he is a dude. That was described uh, to me as he's that guy. And that was while the game was going on where he wasn't that guy. So I buy their, I buy their take on the prospect of what he can be. And we've heard from Jim Nagy as well. It's watched a lot of Penn State because of the offensive line that has also pointed out that yep. fact. All right. Davey, who would you say? Nico? Uh, I, I think he'll have a good year. I, I'm, not, I'm not that high on him to where I'm, I'm able to say, like, the second coming. But uh, Manning. Peyton Manning, even though the, there's Manning. a lot of, a lot of talk out there. second coming of Arch. <laughs> I, I would – it won't be next year, but I, I would like to just – go ahead and say Arch. If I had to talk for a guy that's going to go in the draft next year, I think Shadur Sanders is probably going to win a Heisman next year. As crazy as that sounds, I don't like his antics, but I think they are going to have load up, load up. Like they're going to kill it in the transfer portal this year. And based off coming back into the big 12, which is not a bit good big 12. When you look at the teams that are in there, I think they're going to have a chance to go 10 and two next year. And I I could see Shadur getting a, a Heisman as much as I dislike his antics and you know like use the sec for an example at quarterback this year chad um 
you know, two years ago, quarterback play was down. And then last year, it was really good. And now it's down again. Yep. But, but the difference is, last year it was good because you had guys that were coming back for a second year in said program and system. That you're either losing guys this year that have been backups that have ascended to the starting role and they're not panning out, but they're still the guy. Or you've got one-off situations through the portal, right? Um, it's, it's a very interesting... And that's kind of the case across college football with guys that are either going to leave early for the draft or yeah. potentially enter the portal again anyway. Should, I was thinking about Sanders there, and it's like, well, at least we know he'll be back. Yeah, his dad's stay. already yeah. said. His dad's decreed it that he's going to come back. But we know he's going to be back with the program, right? Like, it's, it's difficult to say the biggest the big climb in well, next year not this year it's the transfer you know it's some transfer to a bigger program that jumps on the scene sam hartman comes to mind this year at notre yes, dame yes someone that does that's the answer i'll give you one though malachi nelson at usc because whoever lincoln riley has a quarterback puts up big numbers so if we're going to go to college football route that is the five star six three one ninety freshman that's waiting in the wings to take over for caleb williams good situation for him not bad. Can another program pay him more? Can you lure him? Will this headache I've had all day go away? These are the questions that drive me as we enter the last 20 minutes of the show. Chad, someone say every I'm going to guess headache. the answer is no. That's the answer. I did not have a headache of a, a betting weekend. It was okay. But we're going to get it right with Monday Night Football. Mine sucked. We preview that next. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. How about the NLCS game six underway? Welcome back. Hot Mike Hutton with Row across the Outkick Network. And, well, Nola's tossing batting practice to the Arizona Diamondbacks. Four hits, three runs, two homers, top of the second. Wow. Arizona's back at the plate. Surprising. Arizona's a team that can just do everything well. They never felt like they were great all year, but they were and, good enough in hey, every facet of the game to be a problem. I've been asking this to our our guests and uh, analysts, even Schilling last week. Hey, um, the Astros have been here before, right? They're down 0-2. Their mindset's got to be different than that Diamondbacks clubhouse, where if it's Phillies year and the Phillies, they're uh, the, the team of destiny in 2023 and how things are shaking out. Well, they were down 0-2 as well, and it's been the opposite, man. And they're in Arizona's winning in dramatic fashion. And then they have jumped on top the way they jumped on top of the Dodgers in this game. Just the way they did against L.A. in that series. Schilling had a great response, though. Said, yeah, they feel like a team of destiny, but that can mean nothing at times. He brought up his 93 Phillies team that lost to Joe Carter in that Game 7 yep. in the Blue Jays, that felt like they were going to waltz into a World Series, that it felt destined for them to have it. And then he was on the other side of it, 2001, with the Arizona Diamondbacks against the Yankees. That was post-9-11. 
Um, the Yankees felt like America's team because of everything that yes. happened in New York. Yep. And guess what happened in seven games? The Diamondbacks beat the Yankees. So sometimes what we think it's predestined is not. And it felt like the way the Phillies started the playoffs, winning in two games against the Marlins, winning in four games against Atlanta, that they were the team. And then taking the first two of the series back in Philly. But here we are. If the Phillies don't pull it together, staring down the barrel of a possible Game 7. Yep, the Game 7 tonight as well, Rangers and Astros. Uh, first pitch coming up in a, a couple hours. Uh, Chad, maybe it's predestined for Monday Night Football. Maybe you know our viewer or listener knows exactly what they're doing here. Play it. Points bet is the place to go. Outkick.com slash bet is where you can uh, grab this unique offer from Points Bet. Right now, new points bet users get up to $1,000 in second chance bets. If your first bet doesn't go as planned, points bet has your back with a second chance. Get this offer by visiting outkick.com slash bet. You complete the registration process with points bet. Make your first bet. If your first bet happens to lose, well, that's when your second chance bets come into play. Remember, terms and conditions apply. You've got to be 21 or older in legal gambling states. And if you have a gambling problem, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Head over to outkick.com slash bet right now to snag this offer 49ers against the Vikings right now the line is at seven McCaffrey expected to play tonight and the over under is 43 and a half Chad how are you playing this you going prop or are you going line I, I do not feel confident playing this game one way or the other okay With the Vikings at home um if I had to bet something I would say Minnesota covers but does not win I wouldn't bet them outright to win, but I'm not going to play that one. TJ Hawkinson is a nice safety net for Kirk Cousins around the goal line. He's plus 230 to score a touchdown. I'm going anytime touchdown. This is tight end you here. TJ Hawkinson, the, the Iowa Hawkeyes know a thing or two about tight end play. Give me TJ Hawkinson anytime touchdown for the Vikings, plus 230. So I maybe I, I, it's happened before this year. I'll come in looking extremely dumb based on what I'm doing. I'm playing and laying the points, and I'm taking the 49ers on the road minus seven, and here's why. The Minnesota Vikings don't have a rushing touchdown this season. They're playing the 49ers defense. Kirk Cousins will be one-dimensional. Watch out. The dude is 2-10 and ten on Monday Night Football throughout his career against the team that I still regard as the best in the NFL. It's been one of those seasons where it's very unpredictable. The NFL loves it. But a lot of teams are just hovering around three wins, maybe four if you're lucky. And San Francisco has found a way to win. And they've been winning at a clip where they're scoring 30-plus and dominating until they lose to Cleveland and everyone says, oh, Brock Purdy, just a guy. And he's lost Debo Samuel and uh, Christian McCaffrey. And what he's going to do now? That was one loss. So now he's 10-1 and one as a starter in the regular season. And in prime time, Kirk Cousins normally doesn't give a prime uh, play and production effort. Two and ten. Again, call me stupid tomorrow. I'm taking San Francisco. I don't think it's a dumb play. The 49ers also would join the ranks of the once beaten uh, with that win. Hey, if they're able to uh, able to win. Minnesota, it's a pretty good group of once beaten teams in the NFL it, right now. Yeah, it is. They hey they Minnesota plays close games. They won them all last year. They've been losing them this year. I just don't. The, the, the spread, Vegas thinks this is a one-possession game in the fourth quarter. I, I don't think it is. Is Minnesota's home field advantage worth that much? That would be my it's question. It's a loud environment. But yeah. San Francisco has gone in much there and better. won 
yeah, they can be the they can be the thorn in the side. I don't think without much uh, much issue here. But again, and it's the run game. Minnesota just I, I see them as one dimensional against this particular defense, and Minnesota's defense is not Cleveland's. Did you like um, Taylor Swift and Brittany Mahomes' secret handshake? They broke out yesterday. So you do think it was uh, the chest bump? Do you think it was Taylor's idea or Brittany Mahomes' idea? I mean, first off, you've got to be drunk to come up with a secret handshake, right? So they've been drinking together. We, we know that. They've been in a party-type setting because I've never witnessed anyone, unless you're eight years old, that hasn't been intoxicated when you come up with a secret handshake with someone else. So they definitely like sure to there, drink together. Hey, I'm sure there are some adult Swifties who have one. I think it was uh, probably Brittany <laughs> who wanted to have that. I think that definitely ups her status more than Taylor Swift for having a secret handshake with her. Uh, but that secret handshake has now been seen by the world. I was impressed by it. What's next is she's going to be with Jackson Mahomes, and I'm just going to have to. Yeah, Jackson Mahomes I'll, I'll sort be, of lurking I'll, in the background know, of every shot. You can tell he's squeezing his way in there. He's becoming the wedge. Right in the backdrop every time she's on camera. Yeah, that's the next uh, viral moment. This one was, and here's the next one. And it, then, of course, uh, man, that first half for Kelsey was unbelievable. Yeah, he's really good. On, on National Tight End Day. How many times did you hear that yesterday? Over, under, like 30 within the first, first half of the Sunday early afternoon kicks. Yeah, it was... Um, Everyone was talking about it. I'm trying to think of who... Someone wished Travis Kelsey a happy tight ends day in the post-game interview. I saw. Tight end you. Yeah. Hey, uh, Davey. Yo. Um, teams that can't win the Super Bowl. So, at, earlier this season, going into the month of October, teams over the last 11 years, only one team in the last 11 Super Bowl championship caliber and, and winners that have hoisted the Lombardi trophy. Only one Correct. of the last 11 have won the Super Bowl and had more than one loss in the month of October. Where do we yes. sit right now with multiple losses amongst oh, teams? I, I haven't even counted them up. I was just going to kind of run through them. But before we do that, how many teams do you think are undefeated in just the month of October? Is it Kansas City? Kansas City is one of them. Chad, who am I missing out on here? It's not Miami. It's not Philly. It's Houston? It's not New York. It's not Houston. No. You're in the right division. So it's Jacksonville. Jacksonville. Kansas City and Jacksonville are the only two teams who have not lost a game in the month of and October. Jacksonville's won 11 of their past 13 or now 12 of their past 14 regular season games. They're on a roll. But some of the more interesting teams that already have two losses in the month of October, the Buffalo Bills. Okay. Last night, the Miami Dolphins. Patriots already have two. So the only team in the AFC West that does not have two losses in the month of October, the New York Football Jets. The, the, the New York Football Giants getting a win yesterday, too. That's a bad loss for Ron, uh, Ron Rivera. It is. All, all four teams in the AFC North only have one loss. Okay. Uh, for the AFC South, the Texans sit with one loss. The Colts with three. Uh, the Titans with two. I already mentioned the Jags have yet to lose in this month. Uh, for the AFC West, the Broncos have lost two games. Uh, the Chargers have lost two games, and the Raiders have also lost two games. So it's just it sounds like it's Kansas City and the AFC North is basically what you're saying. Because the Jets aren't that team unless Rodgers comes back. Hello. Can they, then, can then the they hold on long alive. enough? I mean, if, if he's, he's trying to fight back. 
Jets coming we'll off see a, bye week. Can do a it. team that suddenly looks really bad. Your Green Bay Packers. Ouch. Yeah. Jordan Love not looking good after a fast start. That's man, that's been rough. It's not not good with them. So the commanders keep going down this path. Josh Harris is going to have a decision to make. Get rid of Ron Rivera. Hire. Go ahead. Jim Harbaugh. Wait for it. Connor Stallions. He's a U.S. Naval Academy grad from Annapolis, right down the road from Landover, Maryland. It's time to bring Connor Stallions home on that Jim Harbaugh staff. These are the type of things in Washington, D.C., in areas close to the Pentagon, that director of intelligence for your football team. Yeah. It pays off. It is time to bring Jim Harbaugh and Connor Stallions and his Marine Corps-like methods to our nation's capital to lead these commanders to prominence. What do you think, Hutton? Harbaugh to the commanders. I don't think it's a bad uh, connection just because the Harris Group and Magic Johnson and company, they're going to they're gonna swing big this offseason for their next coach. Yeah, I think it's going to be a name. The question is, is the enemy the interim and it's, in the season? I don't see them just going the traditional coordinator route in the NFL. They're going to hire somebody that's not coaching right now or a big college name coach. Just if I had to guess, with Josh Harris taking over. Uh, for, for the NFC, uh, the commanders, Chad, they're done. Giants, done. Those teams all have three losses. The Eagles and the Cowboys only have a loss apiece uh, for the month of October. In the NFC North, Green Bay's done. Chicago's done. The Lions, they just had their first loss against Baltimore, even though it was really bad. Baltimore put it on them. Uh, Vikings will likely get their second loss tonight. The NFC South, they're all out. And then uh, they all have two. Uh, the Panthers and the Saints have three losses so far. And for the NFC West, Cardinals are done. The Rams have two losses. The 49ers, one loss. And the Seahawks, one loss. And one more time, this stat that you've uncovered, how many losses and you it can't was, win the Super Bowl? It is uh, the last 11 Super Bowl champions, only one of them has lost more than one game okay. in the month of October. October, the key month here. And it, uh, the point was you can start slow and then catch up. But October is where you got to turn it on. And then, then you're in the hunt for either the division title and you get in and make a run as a low seed or your KC and everything goes through Arrowhead. A lot of that helps the stat as well because Kansas City's winning 14, 15 games a year on that type of clip. Chad, it was a, a, a great gesture in a, a scene uh, last night for the Eagles honoring uh, the uh, American hostages held by Hamas. They left uh, 10 seats open the American flag in each seat. And it was posted right there in the stadium for the remaining hostages. Very, I mean, it's, it's cool. It's classy, but warranted. And great job by Philly. Kind of gives you a pause just seeing that image yeah. of the American flags there with that uh, very classy, well, very cool gesture by the they Philadelphia tweeted it out last and, night. And said by, you know, the hostages one of, uh, 10 of uh, 200 kidnapped in the terrorist attacks. So, yeah, it's it's going back to the original point, Chad, of you know the romanticism of sport, right, instead of the business. This is the scene where you can come together, no matter what's going on, not care about who you're sitting next to, cheer on your team, and be proud of being an American. It's one of the few places right now where you can do that. Yeah. So cool move by the Eagles. And uh, social media continues to kill journalism because the New York Times got it wrong 
on a story about a hospital being blown up uh, that did not actually happen. And now they're blaming it on their social media editors for how they worded the headline, and that's not how they intended to write it, is what they're claiming. And they got to continue to work on getting better with social media headlines. Buyer beware when it comes to following social media for all of your news. Yeah, or just reading headlines. Yeah. yeah. Also, good advice. Or, and, and news. Well, the just, headline was wrong too. <laughs> Did yeah. come back and say it was all. It was all, it was wrong, all wrong. It's also in a, the end, but a, yeah. A message to just not trust a terrorist organization for what they're putting out, and actually do your fact checking and yeah. make sure you check multiple sources. They had to admit that their source was Hamas on the info that they got, so they they ran with it. Tomorrow, not good. Robert Ori will be on the show, previewing the NBA season with a champ. Who knew how to win? Plus, John McClain as well. Hope you'll join us 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern right here for Hot Mike with Hutton Withrow across the Outkick Network.